Tiki Hut Media. Hey there, welcome into Soul Ramblings Podcast, where we talk about faith and life. You know, a lot of times people are afraid to talk about faith, but we aren't here. Every week we talk about spirituality, faith, and everyday life here on Soul Ramblings. I'm your host, Jerry Wicker. I'm the lead minister over at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, and also your host for this podcast. And today we're celebrating our 150th episode. Today is episode 150. And we're continuing learning about the Jesus way of life. We've got part three of that sermon series coming up. We'll head over to the sanctuary at Manatee Life here in just a minute and get into part three of that series. But today, as we continue learning this Jesus way of life, I want to address the need for creating margin in our lives, because I believe in order to live the Jesus way that God calls us to live is with margins. Margin is the gap between our load and our limit. The principle of margin applies to all aspects of our lives. Financial margin means not spending everything we make, but instead saving some money along the way. Margin in our time means not booking or scheduling every minute of our day and filling up our calendars. Relational margin means not over-promising too many people in our life that we're destined to disappoint some of them because we overbook ourselves. Emotional margin means not taking on so much that it overloads our system with stress. You get the idea. You get where I'm coming from. Why does God want us to live within margins? Well, Margin creates space for our lives to flourish. Margin creates space in our lives for what is most important. Margin in our time creates space for us to respond to the needs of a friend or connect with people that are important to us. Margin in our schedule allows us to deal with the unexpected things and absorb the surprises that inevitably happen in life. Margin in our finances allows us to be generous to give and to live less stressed. Margin in our emotional energy allows us to have enough in our tank to be available to the people that need us when they need us. Margin gives us space to deal with the important but not urgent work in our lives. Margin allows us the room we need to imagine, to create, and to connect. Margin makes room to serve others and care for ourselves in the process. And even as I say that, it sounds good, but unrealistic. But it's not. Sabbath is God's commanded rhythm for our life. And one of the surprising gifts is it offers us margin. Trusting God by living this rhythm of Sabbath opens our lives up and is a doorway to other blessings. What I challenge you to do this week is reflect on the concept of margin. Create that space between your limit and your load. If it feels overwhelming, Pick one area of your life and start small. As you gain traction, keep going by creating space in more areas of your life. As you do, you'll find that life opens up in very surprising ways. I challenge you to explore the way that Sabbath isn't just rest from life, but is rest for the lives that we are called to live. That journey that we are called to go on together as we continue learning the Jesus way of life. Let's head over to the sanctuary.
our scripture reading for the morning comes to us from Matthew's gospel, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 18th verse. Let us hear these holy words. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. Today we are in part three, week number three of a series we're calling Learning the Jesus Way of Life. And this week we read about Jesus calling his first disciples. And we're going to look at how they responded and the invitation that they responded to. And we're going to learn from their example and see if we can find something that will help us in following Jesus and leading this Jesus way of life. Right before our scripture passage that we read this morning, if you were here last week, you heard about Jesus being baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And then the voice of God saying, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased, in him I find happiness. And then the Spirit Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And after being tested right before our scripture passage, verse 17 tells us that Jesus begins his earthly ministry. He starts by preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. It has come near. And that word repent means to to change direction, go the other way. Stop what you're doing. Do the opposite instead. Turn around. You've headed the wrong way. You're heading the wrong way. Turn around. And this calling of these first disciples, immediately following that verse, is sort of a call to repentance, to turn around and go in a different direction. Because you see, these first followers were, in today's language, they were small business owners. They were run, these small businesses were run by the family. They were not in it for huge profits. They were fishermen. And they did this to make a living, maybe have a little bit of money left over. It was what they were, they always knew they would do. They never expected to do anything else. That is until Jesus shows up. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus said to Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James and John, brothers, come, follow me. The amazing thing is, the very next word after Jesus tells 
both sets of brothers, come follow me, is immediately. They didn't sit around and talk about it. They didn't weigh the pros and cons. Immediately. They did just that. They went and followed Jesus. They left their nets. They left their boat, their livelihood, their father, Zebedee, and followed Jesus. And I think that's a glimpse of what repentance looks like. God's calling, hearing God's call, and obeying it, even though it means radical changes in direction of our life. And I think that may be what stops people sometimes. We're, as a people, we're afraid to change. We don't like to change. We don't want to change. And so, we talk ourselves into unbelief. God can't be calling me. Can't be calling me. You use it as an excuse not to follow Christ. I don't, uh, maybe you're not, but I'm real good at making excuses to God. How about you? Yeah? Jesus called. They made the decision immediately to follow Jesus. And I often wonder, how many other people, we're not told this in Scripture, but how many other people Jesus called that didn't follow? What they they missed, the opportunity they lost. How many of us today, how many of us in 2023, are called but do not follow? Oh, we may think to ourselves, oh, well, you know, Jesus, I'll, I'll do that when I get around to it. I got other things to take care of right now. Oh, oh, geez. now when I retire, I'll have all kinds of time, Jesus. I'll do it then. Uh, those of you that are retired, how much time you got right now? Not a lot, do you? Busier now when you were working, right? We always seem to have something else in our way. Another excuse. Put it off till later. But these disciples did not do that. The lesson here for us from these disciples is this. Don't be afraid to give all you have for something infinitely more. They gave up everything they had for something infinitely more to follow Jesus and obey. When Jesus first called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, I really don't think they had any idea where all this was going to lead. I mean, I will send you to fish for people, Jesus said. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Did they have any inkling that they would watch as Jesus healed multitudes of people? Lepers, blind people, cripples, lame folks. Did they have any clue that they would take part in feeding 5,000 people on a hillside? Or watch as Jesus spoke to Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Did they have the slightest idea that within a few years, Jesus is going to be arrested, crucified, killed by those in authority and powerful places, and then three days rise from the dead? Did Peter and Andrew know they would end up being killed themselves for following Jesus and making more disciples, fishing for people. 
No, I don't think they had any clue. I don't think they had any clue. But God in His mercy reveals things little by little. They didn't have any clue about the glory or the pain that day when this young man walks by from the Sea of Galilee. They only saw him and heard his call, and for them, that was enough. And it's the same today. I mean, why does a person who has a steady, full-time job with benefits, a 401k, insurance, drop that and become a preacher? Why does a person become a missionary? Why does another work in a homeless shelter or volunteer their time at a food pantry in a, in a food ministry or participate in a ministry for middle school kids to teach them life skills after school? Why would people do that? Why do millions and millions of people regularly give up lifestyles that look attractive and posh in order to seek to live with honesty, integrity, faith, hope, and most of all, love. The answer can only be found in Jesus Christ. That is the only answer. And you know what's really cool? Jesus comes looking for us. Notice the disciples were going about their work day. Jesus came looking for them. Come, follow me. And He comes looking for us today still. And... He doesn't come looking for the qualified as if any of us are qualified. He doesn't come looking for the extremely smart or the extremely good looking. He comes looking for everyone. For ordinary fishermen, such as Peter, Andrew, the sons of Zebedee, and then later, the troubled woman at the well. Mary Magdalene, who was at one time possessed by seven demons. Nicodemus. Jerry. You. Everyone. Jesus comes looking for you and me as well. Today in the church is known as Ascension Sunday. And this is where we commemorate the ascension of Jesus into heaven after his resurrection. It is believed to have occurred 40 days after his resurrection, after Easter. The actual day of ascension was this past Thursday. We commemorate that today on this Sunday. And it was necessary for Jesus to ascend to heaven, according to Jesus, so that the Holy Spirit could descend upon Jesus' followers at Pentecost. Pentecost is next Sunday. Where you read, by the way, next Sunday. Yet, even as the ascension occurred, we read that Jesus' followers kind of got stuck. They, they were focusing on the wrong thing. Notice that after Jesus ascended, his disciples stayed there. Standing in place, they were looking and gazing up into heaven. Luke, in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, starting with verse 9, puts it this way. Listen to Luke's words. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Why do you stand looking up to heaven? Why why are you doing that? Why are you standing around here doing nothing, just staring off into space? It's ironic to note that we do this in the church. We do this in our personal lives. Oh, we allow ourselves to be drawn into these necessary, unnecessary rather, distractions. It's so easy for us to do. Social media, the drama of family or friends, our own attempts to control or manage our circumstances. Rather than focusing and living out the radical invitation of Jesus to repent, turn the other direction, and to live by faith as disciples called into an unknown and open future by God, by God's Holy Spirit. And we stand in place, gazing in the wrong direction so many times. By ascending, the disciples of Jesus were enabled to take up Christ's call, to take it up fully, abandon themselves in faith to what God was doing in and through them and among them by God's Holy Spirit. We have that same power today. We have been given the chance to be Christ's body here on earth and to bring the love of God in Jesus Christ to all the world. Wherever we go, in every moment of every day, you say, I, I can't, I can't share my faith. I can't share my faith. I'm not comfortable sharing my faith. It happens in everyday life, in word and deed, in the grocery store, in traffic, at home, at work, while serving the hungry, while touch, tucking our children into bed, hugging an old friend. Visiting the sick, sewing a quilt, laughing with a neighbor, or hugging and comforting someone in need and who is struggling. Jesus is present in all of it, even when we get stuck for a time. Even when we start gazing and staring in the wrong direction, when we get distracted or we lose our way or purpose. Christ is present to draw us back onto the path and say, come, follow me so that we can step boldly into an unknown. We're not, you know, don't get lost in this. Well, what happens if? Well, what? He can't be calling me. What happens if this? No, we don't know. We trust God and obey His call to come follow Him. Because He's going to be by our side. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus invites us to repent, to turn, to change direction, and enter His kingdom. And it's right here and it's right now. God's kingdom is not just for the by and by, when I die, I'll get to heaven and sing with the cherubs and the angels. No, it's here, it's now, it's present. It's an invitation not only to eternal life, but it's also an invitation to become a disciple 
right now as a lifelong learner and friend of Jesus Christ. And this means Jesus offers us the opportunity to watch him at work in our lives and the lives of our neighbors. By doing this, we'll learn more about him until we almost unconsciously begin to speak like him, his manner of speaking, his dealings with people, how he solves problems, how he deals with opposition. Slowly, we become more and more like Jesus the longer and closer we follow and learn to walk this Jesus way of life. Back to Matthew 4. These early disciples responded to Jesus' call in four pretty significant ways. The first thing is they responded and they recognized the authority of Jesus. They recognized the authority of Jesus. They knew that Jesus was no ordinary man. They believed he was the Messiah. So they were willing to follow him. The question for us, do you recognize the authority of Jesus Christ? The second thing they did, they were willing to give up anything that held them back. They literally left their jobs. Two of the guys left their dad to follow Jesus. The question for us, what will you give up to follow Jesus. The third thing is they did not go alone. These fishermen, these brothers did not leave the other one behind. They went together in response to Jesus' invitation. The question for us, who will you bring with you? And the fourth thing is that they were in it for the long haul. As we trace the journey of these disciples through the rest of Matthew's gospel, the three years of Jesus' ministry, we see them there every step of the way. Now, we can make the argument that Peter did deny Jesus three times and the disciples scattered while the crucifixion was going on. But they were in it for the long haul. And they were significant leaders in the early days of Christianity when it was still referred to as the way. Because they weren't just in it for a day. They weren't just in it for a moment. Not just when it was convenient for them or when they had time, but they were committed to following Jesus and going the distance. So the question for us is, how far will you go? How far will you go? That's their response. And that's how they responded. And through their response, God used them to change the world. And because of their response, God changed them in significant ways. And he wants to do the same for you and me. Just like he did with these fishermen thousands of years ago, Jesus is inviting you to know him and to follow him. So my question to you this morning, how will you respond? Is Jesus calling you? Are you following? If not, will you make the decision to repent, change direction, right here, right now? Will you give your life completely over to 
Jesus Christ. Will you come forward as we pray here in a few moments and Ray leads us in our final hymn. Will you come forward from where you are and kneel at the altar rail and commit your life to him? It is the most important decision you will ever make. Maybe you've thought about doing it for a long time, but you haven't gotten around to it when I get the time. Got so many other things to do. Now is the time, my friend. Now is the time. Don't miss out. Don't miss it. Ascend and lift up your hearts to the Lord today because we are the body of Christ here on earth and we can do great things together as we continue to learn the Jesus way of life. And he's calling this morning to you. Come, follow me. Will the next word in your story be immediately he followed. Immediately she followed. They dropped their nets and followed him. Will that be your response today? I pray that it is. I invite you to come forward as we pray and sing this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to follow you. We believe that you are calling us to repent, to turn around, go in the other direction. We believe you are inviting us into your kingdom. We want to be your disciples, your follower, your friend. We want to be all in, but we can't do it on our own strength. But with your strength and our willingness, you can recreate us into the people we are meant to be. Be our Lord, be our Savior. From this moment forward, we will follow you. In the name of Jesus and for his sake we pray. Amen. And now receive this benediction. Let us go forth from this place. And as we do, inspire love, embrace Christ, engage the world, and tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. Be sure to join us next week for part four of Learning the Jesus Way of Life. You can join us every Sunday morning at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida. You can join us live stream on YouTube every Sunday morning at 1030 Eastern Time. Got a link in the show notes of this episode for you to be able to do that. Also, connect with us. Get social with us here at Soul Ramblings on Instagram or Facebook. Got links in the show notes as well. Go over there, like those pages, follow us, leave us a rating and review. Comment to us. We'd love to get social with you on Instagram or Facebook. Wherever you're listening to this episode today, if you would click subscribe, that way you never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. 
And before we scoot out the door for this week, here is a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Until next week for episode 151. Again, today is the 150th episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. Until next week for episode 151, I'm Jerry Wicker. Have a great week, grace, and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Thank you.